welcome to Cool Playlist. I'm Eliza Skinner, and this is my podcast, where every episode we make a playlist for a specific life event, moment, or occasion, always with a special guest. And today we're making a playlist for hunting a killer with my guest, Billy Jensen. Hi. How you doing? (laughs) Good, how are you? Yes, this is the playlist of my life. This is what I listen to in various forums every day of my life. So you hunt killers. Yeah. (laughs) But uh, mostly with like words and... um, Computers, computers not, not and like words. I'm not. I'm not. Run, I've done down street. I mean, I've knocked on doors looking for killers, but um, no, I'm not chasing down killers in the in the way that the Beastie Boys did in Sabotage, where I'm <laughs> running through the streets. No, that is not happening. But um, but yeah, no, I've uh, been able to solve ten murders so far using various techniques, but ma- mainly social media. Wow, mm-hmm. how did you get into that? Uh, you know, I wrote, I wrote unsolved, I wrote tales of unsolved murders for 17 years for places like Rolling Stone, um, LA Magazine, Boston Magazine, and I was always writing stories with no ending. So I got, and it was a very, after a very dark night, uh, after my friend, uh, Michelle McNamara passed away, she was, she wrote a book about the Golden State Killer and, um, yes. uh, she passed away in the middle of writing it. And, uh, I eventually with her researcher, Paul Haynes helped finish it. Uh, I, I, I was looking at this video and thinking, why can't they catch this guy? And I thought, wait a minute, I think I have an idea. I can kind of merge the two things that I do, which is, you know, my kind of digital expertise with the stuff I do at night, which is crime writing. And I might be able to catch this guy. And I was able to catch this guy and, um, it went, it snowballed from there. And now I'm a like a consulting detective for uh, police departments who call me up and say, go get the Facebook guy or whatever. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and I just wrote a book, uh, an, an audible original book that comes out on April 11th mm-hmm. called Chase Darkness with Me. Very exciting. Yes. What is that about? So that's about my, the, sort of the journey that, that happened between, um, you know, growing up as a little kid and, um, why I do this because everybody always asks why I do this and I kind of psychoanalyze some of the reasons why I did this and it might have been to get the the attention of my father. Um, <laughs> I mean, that's why all of us do yeah. everything. <laughs> that and girls. Someone didn't yeah. pay enough attention or someone paid too much yeah, attention. Yeah, so I think... Um, uh, there's a there's a point that you know you learn stuff when you're writing about yourself, and mm-hmm. I didn't intend to write about myself. I intended to write about the stories and the cases, but it was it was a natural progression. And then um, all the stories that I wrote that didn't have endings. Then finally, you know, working on the Golden State Killer book, uh, coming up with this system, and then all the all the murders I was able to solve, um, including. Um, a couple of serial killer cases that I've been <laughs> working on, and uh, and then it leads up to the last chapter which is the when the golden state killer was solved and and just the craziness that was going around in all of our lives at that time yeah and then at the end of it there is an addendum that tells you how you can solve murders yourself so like you harriet the spy adults yes exactly <laughs> teach harriet everybody the spy how to have their little kids nancy drew the adults yes mm-hmm. there are a series of rules that i go through but um but there's a lot of um you know the the idea behind this is that this is True Crime 2.0. This we've been watching and listening to all these true crime stories for the last five or six years, and this true crime boom. Now's the time to put those wits to good use and actually start solving crimes, and ordinary people can do it. Yeah. So it's not just reflective entertainment. It is not just reflective entertainment. <laughs> now, now's the time to act. Cool. Well, do you want to get into this playlist? I do. Let's I do really it. Do. Yeah. Great. Um, the first song on the the playlist is yours. Do you remember what it is? It's probably Lush. Yeah. Stray. Yep. It's Stray by Lush. 
quiet beginning. It's a quiet beginning. It sneaks in. This is off of Spooky from 1992. Yes. And the reason why... Mm-hmm. And you can tell how it, it's very driving. It's very... It is spooky. It begins the album with spooky. And I was reading... While I was listening to this album, I was reading the uh, Boston Strangler book. And I was living in all the area... In the area where the Boston Strangler did a lot of his killing. So I was going and visiting all these locations while that was happening and so i immediately link those two songs together and that's me as a 18 year old walking around boston going to all these different you know um, boston strangler locations and listening to shoegaze music like Mm -hmm. like but stray that was the one song that always always stuck in my head and that's the one song that i usually use as a um, you know, on my playlist, whenever getting I'm getting in the mood, yeah, getting in the mood for it, <laughs> yeah, and it's a, it's sort of like it's the start song, it's the it's the ramp up song. So I always think I, I at this point cannot remember if this is something that a friend told me or something that I read, <laughs> but I remember the story of a kid who was scared of bees, and he used to go to the uh, library all the time and get this book um, that had. A big, it was a National Geographic, I think, with a photo of bees and see how long he could hold his hand on the photo of bees before he freaked out and was like, I can't, I can't handle it. Okay. Is your, at this point, was your uh, murder stuff sort of like, were you fascinated or were you freaked out by it? Were you no, putting your I hand on the bees? You know what? It was, it was, I was in a, I was in a detour mm-hmm. because I was studying religious studies. Huh. So I had gone to school for, I didn't really go to school for anything, but then I learned about you know, Joseph Campbell and mythology and I got really into it and I was all, so I started studying religious studies. But while I was doing that, the serial killer stuff was always there and the, and the forensic stuff and, and that. It eventually turned when I went and got my master's degree in religious studies, I started studying Christian apocalyptic cults and really... Which were, and I really, mean, and the fine line between yeah, the fine line between that and, that and, and a crime. Cult. Come and, on, well, and then and then and then the crimes that they were doing. You know, those mm-hmm. are the ones that I was most interested in. So I was, even though I was like, it seemed like I was going so far, you know, away from that by doing this and doing religious studies. It got pulled me back in to what I was meant to do, which was crime. Cool. Yeah. So uh, so it went from the the group crime to the uh, the lone wolf crime sort eventually. Of. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. yeah. Um, Cool, great. Next song in the playlist, mine, is, uh, I'm going to say this wrong, because I've never heard it said, I've only read it, uh, Allegia by New Order. Another slow build. Another slow build. Yeah, we picked a lot of slow builds. Yeah. I have a lot of slow builds on my Well, life. you know, I, I, try to, I try to mirror what... Oh, you do? Yeah, okay. so that all, all right. wor- works together, all works so you together. could listen to the whole playlist. Um, and this is, uh, this is off of Low Life in 1985, and it's a song that they wrote sort of in memory of Ian Curtis. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just sounds spooky as hell to it, me. It does. Um, it's got a John Carpenter vibe to it a it little does. bit. It yeah. does. This is one of the songs on the playlist that all day I was like, what movie am I thinking of? Yeah. And I think it's a little Suspiria and a little uh, Aristotle and I, uh, Aristotle said Halloween and I said yeah. The Fog. Mm-hmm. But yeah, some Carpenter. Yeah, but it still has that that guitar that's a very joy division guitar you know mm-hmm. coming in there and yeah. of course ian curtis hung himself with piano wire 
I did not know that yeah. detail. Yeah. Yeah. One of Manchester's best bands. Yeah. And Manchester features a lot in my playlist as I, well. I know, man. Uh, uh, that's, so, that's what we're doing. That's what we're doing. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, uh, but Manchester, if you ever go up there, it's, it's, you know, there's that saying, it's, it's bleak up north. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a big Manchester City football fan from the... Oh, Man City, not Man United. Man City. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And... Um, the uh, you know so i would go up there whenever i'm in england i go up there and there's you can tell why so much great music came out of there because there's really not that much to do up there mm-hmm. but you know when they really cleaned up the city but before you know talking to the guys especially i'm part of the hollywood manchester city club <laughs> and uh mm-hmm. they talk about how just like dirty the whole city was and just how really grim it was a, gr- it was a grim city so um for, out of that came this amazing music which we're going to hear a lot of yes yeah i mean i was always a fan of the music scene but i also i dated a guy from manchester for a while who was a man city fan and oh, i would have really? to yeah I would, so I would when, have to when wake did you up date him <laughs> a couple years ago a couple years okay yeah. so at least it was when you had to wake up before three in the morning but at least it was yes. when they were good. Ish, if yeah. If you dated him like 15 years ago, then they, then yeah, that's no. when we were shit. And it was like... <laughs> <laughs> but my boss at the time was a big uh, Ham... West Ham. West Ham mm-hmm. fan. So my, my whole life was... Uh, ruled by how these different teams went, like yeah. how my day at work would be, oh, your day at work how the been, evening would your be. Your day at work like, would have been shit because West Ham hasn't won stuff for a while, oh, yeah, even though man. they've got amazing fans. We, like the whole te- the whole um, office was like on red alert when uh-huh. it was a game day and <laughs> he, it, it would totally change him. It yeah. was crazy. Their theme song, by the way, is Forever Blowing Bubbles. Oh. Yeah. I love the the song chants of yeah, football fans they, that they do like parody songs for different players. Mm-hmm. It's adorable. Yeah. We should do that. We, sh- we should do that, but I, we don't. No, because no. we're boring. We're, we we're are, just we like are, get drunk and push inc- each other. We are incredibly boring. But yeah, <laughs> no, you you got all these in the unofficial song for Manchester City is Blue Moon. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, it's light but, blue but, color. But, and uh, You'll Never Walk Alone is Liverpool, which is a beautiful song. And actually mm-hmm. when you hear the whole stadium sing it, it just, it's pretty powerful. Yeah. How did you get into all that? I was watching the team and I just started watching it, and then I was like, I had to pick a team, and I was like, well, who do I pick? And I was like, do I pick Man United? And I was like, no. And I was like, I, I grew. They seem I grew like up, the Yankees versus the Mets. Well, I grew up a Mets fan. Exactly. I grew up, you like the grew, scrappy team. I grew up a Jets fan. Oh. So I know what it's like to lose, <laughs> and I know what it's like to be a second class citizen. And I looked at that team, and then I looked at, I was like, Man United, and I was like, there's another team, and I saw this team, and they had just like gotten back up to the first division. Or, or the Premier League as it is now. And I was just like, that's my team. And there was so much heartache. And my wife, I remember like, I'd be like pissed off after a game and my wife would look at me and yell and say, you could have chosen any team. <laughs> you weren't born into this like you were with the Mets and yeah. the Jets, but you chose Manchester City. And now, I mean, it was uh, some of the best moments of my life is just being around being around the guys and, and the gals at, at the um, at the different clubs uh, that I'm a part of and just waking up at 4.30 in the morning. And it's just yeah. it's, it's so great. Yeah. And like traveling when I would, when we, I would travel with him, like in different cities, mm-hmm. you, that you yeah. meet a whole new gang of people mm-hmm. at whatever pub is showing Exa- it. Exactly. Um, cool. Let's do the next song. Your choice. Yes. It's Piggy mm-hmm. by Nine by- Inch Nails. Exactly. From the downward spiral in 1994. So why this? 
This song starts off slow, then it gets, it becomes a cacophony at the end of it. Now, also, this was recorded at the Sharon Tate house. Mm -hmm. So... Le Pig. That is, yes. And that is in the back of my mind. Apparently that song doesn't have anything to do. He said that doesn't have anything to do with the murders yeah, or anything. Yeah, he said that know? he didn't know that it was the that it was the Tate house when he was just like, it's a big house. I like it. That's ridiculous. I right? That. Yeah. I mean, that seems a little like, maybe he's just like, I, mean, I don't I'm the stop kind of asking me about this. I know this. all the places that, that are, like I, like I know you can go to the El Coyote and that's the place that they right. last ate before. Um, or you go to the Biltmore and that's the place that Black Dahlia was last seen and you can have a drink at that bar. But the um, that that song just, you know, and the idea that, the, the refrain at the end of it, which is nothing can stop me now because I just don't care anymore. I just love that, you know, because so much of, my book is about persistence and you know just driving past all sorts of adversity because this is not a a a, a thing you do for the faint of heart you know you can work on a case and and hit so many roadblocks and and um but you just got to keep up and keep going so that's one of those songs that I like to listen to yeah it seems like it's um like is it fun where's the line between fun and uh like a grueling obsession <laughs> oh there's yeah it's weird you know listen <laughs> if I, I i would people ask me it's like well what if all the murders were solved i was like great i would i want all the murders to be solved i want no more murder i would go just and i would design after that. i would design theme parks oh, i would, really? design, That's theme, what it I would, would design theme parks and restaurants that's what i would do i would uh, be an imagineer um do you know uh um oh god i'm blanking the magician uh, oh. Magician um, David Blaine. No, the one in the eighties with the teeth and the curly hair. Doug Henning. Doug Henning. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, do you know about his? No. Uh, apparently, so he left magic because he got really into mm -hmm. uh, transcendental meditation uh -huh. and started to try to work on actually levitating, um, and then felt like it was so good for people. He got back into magic to get some of his notoriety back, so that he could like spread the word about it, and then started planning a um, TM amusement park right um i think like around niagara falls oh wow they were going to you know build. yeah you know what i've i actually went to the tm course like the introductory course and then they wanted 800 dollars, and i didn't have it at the time so That's, i didn't do it yeah but i wanted to, I, I really do want to do it because a lot of my heroes do it mm -hmm. you know howard stern does it mm -hmm. and uh paul mccartney does it mm -hmm. and david lynch does it mm -hmm. you know so I mean, david lynch does it a lot that's his, yeah, his exactly. That's his thing. thing. So, uh, I, you know, I might, I, I gotta, I gotta bite the bullet and do it. Yeah, I feel the same way, but I'm also a little like, eh, why, should we have to pay that much mm -hmm. for it? Shouldn't it be? That's why. So I, I have a little, I don't know, bah humbug about that. Yeah. Um. So, oh, also this song, uh, Piggy. That was what they wrote on the walls. Yes. Well, they wrote. Yeah. Well, well they wrote Pig. And here, here's the thing about that. So. <laughs> In 1969, there was a graphic, horrific murder in the Hollywood Hills. Sharon Tate, um, um, Abigail Folger, who was the heir to the Folger's Coffee Fortune, all of these rich, powerful people, Jay Sebring, who was the, the, the hairstylist to the stars. Mm -hmm. Her, like, best friend, ex-boyfriend. Yes. And, um, <clears throat> excuse me. So they wrote, they, there was a complete bloodbath. They wrote Pig on the mm -hmm. wall. The next day, there's a murder in Los Feliz, which is about five miles away. Mm -hmm. uh, still a nice house, and it was a, a grocery store owner and his wife, and they wrote other things on the wall in blood. Uh, they wrote Helter Skelter. They spelled it wrong. They called it Helter Skelter. Now, 
The police said, these aren't connected. They're just Beatles fans. No, they said these aren't aren't connected because they were looking at the victimology and they were going, there's no way that somebody would want to kill a, you know, a Hollywood actress and all our Hollywood friends and then this guy that owns a grocery store. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, it was staring them right in the face that that it's right after the next day. And then they were writing with blood on the walls that were also Beatles lyrics. Yeah. And finally, you know, Bugliosi, who was the the D, was just like, "You guys are idiots! Like, what are you doing? This is this is connected, you know." And uh, yeah, that's the thing about that case that boggles my mind. When you read Helter Skelter, you're just like, "They still didn't get it." Like forest for the trees, sort forest of forest for the so. trees. Yeah, um, I was. It made me think about uh, how, like, then a few years later, a few decades later, like at the time, basically when that happened, it uh, unless I'm wrong, there doesn't seem to have been like a lot of blowback on the Beatles. Like people weren't like, don't listen to Beatles albums. It makes you mad. No, I mean they were. No, there was there was plenty of blowback on the Beatles when John said, you know, we're more popular than Jesus. Well, sure, but I mean, I just meant it as you know, we mean more to kids than Jesus does. You know, that's it. But this connection, no. Yeah. By the time everybody was out of their heads at this moment, you know, which we're going to see in the new Tarantino movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which transformed like all the areas around us. Yeah. In Toluca Lake, they like. They transformed Toluca Lake into 1969, and it was so cool because I was because I was walking past. Before they did anything else, I'm walking past this one place right next to Foreman's Bar, and it's a record store. I was like, "Who the hell's opening a record store in 2019? Like, like what crazy trust fund kid just did this?" And I'm looking in the record store, and I'm looking at all the albums, and all the albums are like 1960s albums, and they're like kind of random bands too. And I'm like. It clicked him. I was like, this is the Tarantino movie. <laughs> Just because the detention to detail. The next day, a liquor store opened. And even the the attention to detail of the ads and the liquor bottles inside the liquor store were all you know, period specific. Yeah. So great. So, so great. Yeah. So I hope that movie is good. I mean, it'll be a Tarantino by, movie. By the way, to keep it on the Manson tip <laughs> and, and the music tip... If you listen to the, if you go watch the trailer for the new Tarantino, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, the first song that they play is a song called Straight Shooter by the Mamas and the Papas. Mm -hmm. The sheet music to Straight Shooter was on the piano at Sharon Tate's house. So that's an Easter egg that he just placed in there. Did you just know that or did you look it up? Um, Are you like that deep? I didn't know. I didn't know that. I I read that someplace. Yeah, no, I did not know that. I knew there was there was sheet music in there. I knew the mamas and papas were involved. You know, yeah. I mean, the whole thing was what Charles Manson wanted to be a musician. Yeah, and he kept thinking the reason why he created this helter skelter bullshit is that he had all these girls around him, and all the girls like we're going to be famous soon. We're going to be famous soon. It doesn't happen for him. Then he's like, he has to switch gears in order to get the girls to still hang out with them. And the guys to, you know, the guys are there for the girls, you know, to get the girls to still hang out with them. It was this, you know, just stay on this train with me. And then he switched it to Helter Skelter and everybody was so out of their mind on drugs. They were just like, all right, fine. That's good. How many cults are really like religious and how many are stuff like that? Like, uh, like a percentage like, like a percentage, like, like a, a, a charismatic leader. Yeah. <sighs> you know, it, it's the interesting thing is what happens when that person dies. Hmm. Does it go on, you mm-hmm. know? And then if you look at any religion, potentially could be a cult like Christianity had a a leader, the leader died and it was it was still so powerful that it was able to grow and, and, and transform. So um, it's tough to say. It really I f- is. I feel like a lot of them like sort of grasp at the religion part, like 
as a as a topper, like, uh, and also uh, I, I talked to God too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah. definitely yeah. listen to me because yeah. my band didn't work and also my <laughs> political uh, aspirations didn't pan out uh-huh. and I made, made you guys move to... You know uh, what, in, in, all, in, all, in all fairness to Charles Manson, even though he was horrible, the, the Beach Boys did steal his song and like... <laughs> Yeah, they stole his song and completely just chained, like took him, took his name off of it. It wasn't even that good of a song, too. But I'd be pretty pissed at that as well. But that was whole, well, you know, the whole idea with Terry Melcher used to live in that house, and he was the guy that was going to make him a big star, and the I Dennis mean, Wilson stuff. If is, people in Hollywood lost their minds over their uh, creative, mm-hmm. over their ideas being stolen, <laughs> we would no. no one could go home or from a, the El Coyote or a pro- or a producer never calling you back. Yeah. Holy shit! I mean. Or, you know what I mean? Most I, of us can here, keep here's it together. The I wrote a book. <laughs> That's what I did. I did this audio book because really, I, the first murder that I solved, we were doing for a television show. And I had solved it. And then they were just like, wow, you solved this. Let's Let's follow you with the camera and everything. So we did it. A network was going to run it. And then the network kept saying, okay, well, you identified this guy, even though the police couldn't. We want a warrant now. And I'm like, I can't do a warrant. I don't know. What, yeah, what am I going to do? So then they said, <laughs> so then they said, um, so I, I do back through back channels, you know, like LinkedIn, like finding like former police officers from Chicago. Uh, I get one. Then they're like, oh, no, we want an arrest. We want to see like the cuffs, like the perp walk, all that stuff. So they, um, they pull the plug the day before, like you know, three days before Christmas, and we get we get the arrest like three weeks later. And after that, you know, that ripped my heart out. And I didn't uh, start a cult, and I didn't go murder people. I good for you. I wrote Such this, restraint. I, I wrote this audio book, and I said, I I am so sick of this Hollywood bullshit. I am going to write this book because there's not going to be anybody between. I went back to what I knew, which was writing. And That's... there's no there's going to be nobody in between me and the story and the victims. It's just. I'm going to tell it. I mean, that's a lot of why I do a podcast and it's not part of a network even because, yeah, I was like, I don't want to ask somebody for permission. I I just have to have something that I don't have to ask. Exactly. I I mean, besides getting studio time in uh, Aristotle Um, and guests. (laughs) Uh, Next song is my choice, uh, Family Snapshot by Peter Gabriel. This is from his album also called Peter Gabriel in 1980. Everywhere he goes is news. Do you know this song? I don't. Today is different. Today is not the same. Today I'll make the action. Take snapshot into the light. Snapshot into the light. Now this is shooting. Okay. So this song is based on, um, it was inspired by An Assassin's Diary, mm-hmm. um, which was written by Arthur Brem, Bremer, Bremer, Bremer yes. um, uh, who attempted to assassinate George Wallace. And I always knew it as being connected to the, um, the Kennedy assassinations about, which it, it I think also is, he's... Uh, See, Peter Gabriel introduced it one time with like, yeah, you might you might know this from a, a little something that happened in Dallas a few years ago, like something <laughs> kind of like that. Uh, it was too cute for what he was talking about. But it's about this like symbiosis between uh, a murderer and their victim. And I think it also mm-hmm. extends to uh, a murderer and the 
the detective right. from someone chasing them, mm-hmm. that like we're kind of meant for each other. Yeah. I exist because you exist. In a, you know, and that's one of the, I think Manson said this and, and her and Sharon Tate's sister got pissed off at it to bring it back. It all fucking comes back to Manson, I guess. But <laughs> I said, mean, like, he, did, see, he it said, was, it was pretty notable. He said, what like, he did. I made Sharon Tate, you know, he said yeah. that. And it's um, like Kanye and uh, Taylor Swift. Wow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. But when you read, you know, there's a great book called Hellhound on His Trail about Martin Luther King and the assassination of Martin Luther King and how James O. Ray, and it goes chapter by chapter and it shows what Martin Luther King was doing at the time and James O. Ray was doing at the time and Martin Luther King doing this amazing work and cha- literally changing the world and then this schmuck doing this stuff, but doing very odd things, like wanting to be a pornographer and doing all this stuff, and then how they converge together. And that's always something that's very, it is interesting. You know, I wrote a story, and it was a very Hollywood story about the guy, Johnny Lewis, from the Sons of Anarchy. And he kind of freaked out one day and killed his landlady and her cat and then killed himself. And... I wanted to write it in that same vein where, you know, this woman who was who ran this thing called the Writer's Villa in Los Feliz where people would go, like Thomas Jane stayed there, Val Kilmer stayed there. People would just go there to um, to be creative and she was very much like a house mother. Kind of a, a safe refuge uh, for people in, you know, landing in Hollywood so you're not like getting picked up at the, at the bus station by the bad dude. And uh, You're just he, going to the place where the lady knows the bat the lady, well that's the thing is that the lady knew him before mm-hmm. but then he had that he spiraled and nobody knew why he spiraled so putting that stuff together and then you often see that but the idea of of the 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 killer and victim and that symbiosis between the two is always very interesting even though i i always want to put more emphasis on the victim than on the killer i think that's good yeah. um that's one of the things that kind of creeps me out about some of the the true crime wave mm-hmm. is the when it feels too like ooh yummy what a fun story yeah. and i'm like it's about really horrible things that happen to these people and their families and yeah. you know yeah so i appreciate that um as a consumer <laughs> who feels less guilty um but yeah i really like this song and i think that it's a i think it's a good way to capture yeah, a complex relationship. Yeah. Uh, the next song is your choice. It's... All right. Now, so when I work on stories um, that are in a certain time period, often that are cold cases, I'll often get songs from that time period and make a playlist. I've done this. This isn't like... This is like... <laughs> this is real. This. No, this is not this Well, you contacted me and you're like, I, yeah, I, I, I do I've this. done this. I've done this. <laughs> so, uh, and I probably like saw like... Stephen Ray Morris like mm-hmm. liked one of your tweets or something like that. And then I saw it and I was like, wait a minute, who's that? What does she do? And uh, Stephen like connects everybody together. Yes. Do you like dinosaurs, by the way? Okay. So, <laughs> so um, I, I used to do this. I mean, all the way back to, uh, you know, in the early 2000s of I'm writing a song. I'm, I'm, I'm working on a, uh, I'm writing a song. That was, that was my other career. <laughs> I'm working on a story that took place in 92. I'm going to create all of the the songs and create a playlist around that. So, And I remember working on, a, on a, a story of a woman who was a deadhead who went missing in Humboldt. And she actually became the first member of the Humboldt Five. I talk about this a lot in the audiobook. And 
she was a deadhead, so I put together a playlist of Grateful Dead songs, and I really don't like the Grateful Dead. And I remember, like, <laughs> yeah. I remember listening to it, going, "I can't do this anymore." But I, I remember trying to get into them because I was like, when I was in middle school, I liked the artwork. I'd be like, "Ooh, skulls! Yeah. What's that? It's got to be badass!" And I'm like, "This is not bad driving that train. <laughs> no, this is not badass at all." You went, you went for the skulls and not the bears. I thought you were going for the bears. No, but, yeah. no, I was like, but I did go. I went to one Dead show though, and I did appreciate it. I mean, it was very, very cool, and she was very much a part of that and she was from long island and i'd done, done the story um uh, for a long island newspaper so mm-hmm. um with the chain i see this uh, the the golden age of serial killers oh, is the should, la- is the late 70s we should say this is the chain by fleetwood mac all right so i see this in a bar and i had a lot of choices for like a seedy 1970s bar and i had just done a story about bill bradford who would pick up women at bars and um, and murder them and say, like, I'll take your picture and make you a star, and then he would take them out to the desert and murder them. So, Oh, yeah, this is a real desert murder. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, and obviously this is, the, this is the, you know, one of the big breakup songs. Like, yes. you know, we're, you don't love me now, you'll never love me again. All three couples in the band All were breaking up during this. Yes, and that's um, what made this amazing album. Well, and they... It's literally snipped like with scissors from different tracks put together. Is it really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was assembled from uh, from I th- like three or four different song song bits, mm-hmm. and so that's why you can kind of tell that. That's like, why, it like, especially at the end there, that, yes, that sort when of it's suddenly where it's like yeah, and it has that driving force at the end of it. And I just see this as how many serial killers were in bars at the time in the late 70s and that was playing you know i was looking at the the typical the prototypical song for that time period jerry rafferty's baker street came to mind and i was thinking about that yeah baker street yeah but (laughs) i I wanted to go the chain because the the baker street is still it was also used in goodwill hunting too so um this is this is definitely desert murder but this is this is more sinister Mm -hmm. you know i just see this as 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 a little bit more of a sinister song so I wanted yeah. to use this as a representation of the late 70s and the the time when there were just a lot of serial killers around. There was just a ton. Really? It feels like that. And then I'm like, is this, am I basing no, this on TV? It's true. It's true. Huh. Yeah. Why? Because People you, had everybody, you had everybody at the, in the late 60s when they were finally like, you know, teenagers got, got freedom for the first time ever. Ever. Really. Mm-hmm. They're coming out uh, to Los Angeles. Everybody's moving towards the West Coast. So you have a lot of people that have just said, Mom, I'm leaving. Dad, I'm leaving. So you had a lot of, um, you know, a, a population that is just a transient population that's moving around a lot. And at the same time, you have a lot of, of um, uh, uh, disillusionment. Um, the economy was really bad. You just you just had a lot of stuff that a lot of confusion that was going on in the seventies. You know the the flower. You know bring it back to Manson. They said Manson killed it. Manson killed the killed the um, you know the summer of love was sixty seven. Manson mm-hmm. killed the flower power. Suddenly it was scary and to be a hippie. Suddenly it was yeah. And then you had this this time period of these people killing these people and getting away with it. And then it was saved by the nineteen eighty Olympic hockey team. What? Yeah. Why? How? <laughs> what are you talking about? Because they beat Russia, and then we were just like, "Hey, so we're everything like, is we okay. We love America. We're happy. Everything is okay." And then, they, then the, the you know the, the hostages came back from Iran, and uh, and everything was good. And then we had eight years of Reagan, and then it went to shit. But yeah, but no, it, um, it was you had that, and it also 
it's the era right before DNA. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, DNA was 85, 86 is the first cases for that we've used in DNA. And so and people cases. had to so, like, pick their murders. Couldn't yeah. just go and, I mean, you, when you look, when you watch that, like the, the, the Bundy documentary and like when he goes to, when he escapes to Florida and they're like, we have, and they catch him after he kills more people. And like, we don't know who this guy is. He's not telling us his name. And he's got like a Fu Manchu mustache, but he clearly is the guy that just escaped, the serial killer that escaped from Colorado. And we can't put two and two together. Mm-hmm. So I think it was a lot of uh, a lot of things started coming together in the 80s in terms of coordination with law enforcement that wasn't there before. So, you know, we started nipping that in the bud. And then where do the serial killers go now? Where do the sociopaths go now? They become they become CEOs and politicians. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or or into the military, I think. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Well, or they become mass shooters, you know. I mean, that's yeah. the, that's the, we're in the. It's a new term for we're it. We're in the, 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 uh, you hate to say golden age, but that's what the thing is now. It's the mass shooting. Mm-hmm. Whether these people have said in this culture that we have in America of, of um, instant gratification that they're like, all right, I'll kind of just go and shoot 10 people as opposed to just killing 10 people. You know, it's a lot more simpler than, I'm, I'm simplifying a lot more than that, but um you know, there's something to that. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I mean, it, rather than stretch them out over years, you just mm-hmm. get all the work done in one day. Yeah. So. Uh, back to music. <laughs> uh, uh, next choice is mine, and it's Every Breath You Take by The Police. Off of Synchronicity in uh. 1983. Which a lot of people took. As a very loving very love, lovely song, love song, which is yeah. creepy as hell. Yeah. <laughs> um, and even but Sting, Sting said that. Well, Sting was like, uh, this is about obsession. Yeah. This is about when you've lost your mind. But then he was like, you know, I can have tantric sex with my wife for 12 hours. Well, <laughs> it actually is about his wife, who was at the time, his his wife at the time's best friend. And he started an affair with, and she lived next door to them. Mm-hmm. And so, and he like ran away to the tropics somewhere and was trying to like stay away from her and the situation and clear his head and he wrote this song and then when they were recording it uh they had all these these problems with the band also this was like another fraught band situation yeah. so i thought it would be good to follow mm-hmm. uh the chain with the it. chain with that yes uh, um stuart copeland by the way one of the greatest drummers ever uh stuart copeland's uh, comment on this is uh in my humble quote in my humble opinion this is sting's best songwriting with the worst arrangement i think sting could have had any other group do this song and it would have been better than our version wow. except for andy's brilliant guitar part basically there's an utter lack of groove it's a totally wasted opportunity for our band even though we made gazillions <laughs> off of it and it's the biggest hit we ever had it's like you know on all these lists now of, Stu, yeah, yeah no no and but Stu, he's like fuck that song <laughs> have you ever listened to Stuart copeland's uh soundtrack to rumblefish no it's fantastic it's so good he did like even before it was probably like in the very beginning of midi and stuff and and he uses like typewriter sounds and everything and it's just like it's really it's really really good and there's a song with the, like the, the the song that they had to promote the album was a song called Don't Box Me In by the Wall of, Wall of Voodoo uh, lead singer. And uh, it's a really good song, And but it's it's you should listen to it. Everybody listen to it. It's really, really good. I remember I had it on tape for a really long time, and I didn't buy tapes. I went straight from, from LPs to CDs. Ooh, you were fancy. Yeah, I did not, I did I not do not the tape I could not afford CDs thing. for a long time. I couldn't do the tape thing. Huh, yeah. why not? The because, rewinding? No, just the yeah, exactly. I'm I'm so like I want to skip. I want to skip. I had yeah. a, I remember uh, some some of my friends had those tape decks that 
would like skip mm-hmm. exactly to song after song. Because like, what it would do, it, whew, it, magic. it would it would find where the um the, empty, the empty space was. The break was, yeah, yeah. But yeah. It seemed See, Aristotle knows. He's very he's, fancy. He's he's shaking his head, <laughs> even though that was before he was born. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was in. I think being be having so many cassettes was part of why I had to listen to as much music as I did. Um, I I bought a lot of albums from dollar bins mm-hmm. and a lot of cassettes and so yeah you would just li- listen to the whole the whole thing the whole thing yeah and not only would you listen to the whole thing because you had to or i i would listen to the whole thing because i had to but i was also i like didn't have money for a lot of them so yeah. i would be like i better get all the music out of this i'm ringing every drop now that doesn't mean that i didn't make mixtapes oh okay for for girls i mean i definitely did that <laughs> and i would make the tapes for girls and i'd make sure i'd put on you know the cure and uh and Real uh, moody stuff. a lot of moody stuff the cure the they smith oh, a little bit feel. otis otis redding uh, yeah oh. yeah yeah and then i would i would cut out things from magazines and put it in the not not that sounds weird. That sounds like cutting no. out things. See, Aristotle's no, looking at me like cutting that. out cutting out things from magazines. He makes it sound like I'm making a No, that's the way to do it. A ransom it was, letter. It was either that or it was weird tiny writing. Which of my handwriting sucks. And and there's just no there's very little character to mm-hmm. when somebody would just write the the words down on it. I was like, so what I was so, like so I skipped two grades so I was younger than everybody else and I was like a theater nerd mm-hmm. and you know a little chubby probably also because I was younger than everybody else so not popular in high school at all and I did not know what cool things were and I did not know how to find them so I got a bunch of blank tapes and like gave them to the cool kids it was oh, like wow. will you please make me mixtapes please and uh, some of them did and I wore those tapes out so hard that when I hear the actual songs on them, they sound too fast right. and too high because oh, wow. they had because gotten they, stretched, got so stretched out. out. Wow. Isn't that nuts? You, are you still in touch with any of those cool kids that make no, those tapes? No, You should reach out to them. Yeah, maybe. I, yeah, I mean, you should do that. I want, to, I want that to be your homework. <laughs> to, yeah, to reach to out to them. Be like, that's do you remember very, that time? That's very you. Do some detective work. Yeah, do some detective work. <laughs> find them. I can help you find them. <laughs> and just be like, you know what? Remember you, when you made that tape? Yeah. Yeah, that was that was really cool. Now I have a podcast. There you go. And now I have a podcast, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, next song is your choice. So this is a song that actually would end up on the mixtapes that I would sometimes make uh for uh, ladies that I was trying to get to like me and that never worked. Uh it's stripped by Depeche Mode. Yes. Off of uh, Black Celebration in 1986, their fifth album. And that is his actual Porsche. Really? Yeah, that is uh, Dave Gahan's. Dave Gahan, yeah. Yeah, that's his Porsche at the very beginning. I mean, there's just something, again, sinister. Yeah, it's like, have you ever seen The Wraith? No. It's a car movie. It's about like this alien car this mm-hmm. uh and it's this that it mm-hmm. sounds sort of like that where you you can't tell if it's a bad thing or a good thing yeah. for, for most of the movie and then the car becomes a hot guy <laughs> who is played by charlie sheen so he's as hot as young charlie sheen is which was very hot, was very hot but they charlie made it while he like he agreed to do the movie and then they then he got platoon so he was like i'm out of here right. so there's really only i think like 10 minutes of him in it so they kept making him turn back into the car so they'd be like that's him now just that car anyway sorry did this work why is stripped on there (laughs) uh yeah no just a again 1986 it's uh an ominous song the car i think you know there's so many 
There's so many serial killers with cars that you, that you hear about. <laughs> Uh, obviously, I mean, everybody, has, everybody has. They're a either car. a hitchhiker yes. kill, killer yes. or a serial killer. Yes, killer I could have. You know, and yeah, I could have put on Riders on the Storm. Mm-hmm. You know, which which has a the killer on the road and his brain is squirming like a toad. Not his best work. I am mm-hmm. a Jim Morrison fan, but that was not his his best Are line. You? Yeah, uh, Lizard King. Guy. Lizard King. Okay. <laughs> Lizard King guy. Yeah. So, but the I just love the the. Um, it, it, it just it sounds very like um, I don't know what he's trying to say. He's just like, oh, let me see you stripped down to the bone. Uh, it, it's it goes beyond any kind of sexual connotation, and he's trying to say, let me. I want I want to know I want to know the most about you. So uh, mm-hmm. I, I kind of like always like that about that. You know, is that Which, how you approach your? Uh, that is not how I detecting. No, You're no. like I want to know the good stuff. I want to no, tell no, me no, everything. No 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> but. Um, you no, know, kind of in a sense. I mean, I'm not. I never really considered myself a profiler or anything, but um, you know, actually, for the audiobook, uh, John Douglas, who's m- from Mindhunter, and he in- basically invented criminal profiling for the FBI. Mm. He's who uh, Scott Glenn's character of Silence of the Lambs is based on. Mm. He wrote a blurb for the book, which is amazing, and he's the profiler guy. You know, he's the guy that says like, this is the guy that does this, 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 and this. Mm -hmm. I'm more of the guy that is saying, I want to find who knows that guy. And Hmm. so almost really, I almost profile everybody but the person and try to figure out who would know this person. Mm -hmm. And then who's in the area, who's in the area, who, who would, who he would, who who he would hang out with or she would hang out with. Yeah. Mm. Or she, I mean, it's, it's general. I have two, I have of the cases that I have right now, I I can think of two, one in Albuquerque and, uh, and one in Tampa, the girl with the serpent tattoo in Tampa that I'm still trying to find. If you're a listener, If, if it's a serpent tattoo, it might be a rosary. It might be, I mean, it's a, I think it's a serpent, but I've gone down many a rabbit hole. Well, if she's listening, she knows. <laughs> Send a DM. We're looking for you. Um, I do always think about that, though, that that it's like the biggest um, <laughs> career gap, uh, gender gap is in murder. That there we oh, just that is that is it that's, yeah is that that we the just next, we, we just haven't thing? gotten into it <laughs> I mean it does like I don't have any reason to think that it is the next thing and yet it just has to be right so Eileen Warnhouse is the Susan B Anthony yeah, yeah. in a in a twisted way <laughs> um, isn't I'm gonna I'm gonna say no don't okay. don't get into that <laughs> okay. don't go down that road, no, don't go down that road. <laughs> that's not my next special I, I appreciate it but no don't don't okay do that. all right <laughs> I guess. Um, the next song is You and Me and Time by Broadcast off of the album Tender Buttons. From 2005. You and me and like a fun okay. dance number. No, it's more yeah. spooky. <laughs> this was your prom theme, wasn't it? Yes, exactly. No one knew I was coming. I showed up soaking wet. Um, <laughs> holding brambles and dead roses <laughs> and my eyes were all white and I just pointed at people mm-hmm. so yeah but they didn't catch on fire no you didn't have that that no. skill yet alright that is pretty <laughs> spooky that's pretty spooky right there thank you yeah yeah again that was the other one that I was like this sounds like a hor- like a horror soundtrack and I don't know what it is but yeah. it's something see I'm not a big horror person ooh I mean, maybe because I do it I do it all day, I, you know, yeah. for real or whatever, but I don't, yeah, I've never been a big kind of, uh, 
horror, you know, the, the, my, my, the things that I enjoy rub up against that, that kind of stuff in a mm-hmm. sense where it's, you know, I'm into, you know, like Harry Potter and Disney and less, like <laughs> a lot of those people like, like horror as well, mm-hmm. but I've just never been that into the horror stuff. Magical stuff. You like Ma- magical, magical stuff. stuff. Yes. It turns something into something else. Use the force. <laughs> and yeah, that's mostly uh, positive. I yeah. like, uh, what I really like about horror is that I feel like it preys on, or it, um, talks about and and makes use of our group fears and our like Mm -hmm. our gut fears as a society and i find those so fascinating like the collective unconscious like with carl young to bring it back to my the reason why i became (laughs) religious studies major (laughs) sorry mom and dad like a really good horror movie that really gets you it's because you already have that seed inside of you yeah um and so it's reflecting back this thing yeah and that's and that's interesting in a sense where we've been talking about ted bundy and the idea that, you know, he's being played by a, a heartthrob mm-hmm. from High School Musical. Mm-hmm. One of the best musical. A teen heartthrob. Teen, teen heartthrob. Yes. Get your head in the game. Soarin' flying. <laughs> we know all those songs. And, you know, the idea that, okay, he's being played by, by a heartthrob. We're making him into a heartthrob even more better looking than he was. Yeah. All of this, like, Ted Bundy was so hot. I'm like... Well, let's calm down. I mean, he wasn't horrible looking, but he was no Zac Efron. He was no Zac Efron. Anyway. And also, Zac Efron is incredibly ripped in the movie, and nobody was ripped back then. Yeah. No one was ripped back then. People didn't know about People... abusing your body into abs. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but the idea that a killer could be not... You don't, you don't know who the bad guy is as, as soon as you see him. We're conditioned as children... To know, at least in the media that we consume, to know the bad guy in the first five minutes, like Disney movies. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, oh, that's Lion King. That's Scar. Shit's going to go down. That's Ursula. Shit's going to go down. You know, we know that right away. And the that one... That's not the way things actually go. That's not the way things actually and go. It gets dangerous yeah. because of that. So that's the one good thing that I think that they're trying to show with the Bundy movie is that, is that... This guy who, who's charming and you think you like him, you know, there could be something completely, you know. And as you are listening to this in your car or while you're walking in your headphones or at the gym, just look around you and know that that very well might be a bad person. Yeah. I remember the first time I watched the um, the New York Marathon. I had like a friend of a friend who was in it and I didn't know that it was a thing to do to walk, go out and watch it because who cares about watching people run. <laughs> yeah. But the thing is that you stand out there and you cheer for them mm-hmm. and then they go like, yay, and you go, yeah, and you're like, I'm helping, I'm doing something. And I remember doing that and getting super caught up in it because people wear signs that are like, yeah. my name is Laura. So you can be like, yay, Laura. Yeah. And then they're like, that's me. Um, and I'm like, I'm connecting. I'm a runner. <laughs> and then I was like, who, these might be bad people. <laughs> what if I'm cheering for very bad people? All I know is that they're running. <laughs> Maybe they steal. Maybe these are all rapists and murderers. <laughs> wow. I'm yeah. so glad you said that and that's a realization you got <laughs> instead of like saying like, and then um, by like mile 23, <laughs> I stabbed somebody and it was weird. <laughs> yeah, I just sort of went marathon mad. That's a thing, right? In your field? Um, yeah, no. Uh I, I really I think that is I think that's a really interesting point and interesting way to look at that that I I I do have to remind myself that the world is not going to present who's a good guy and who's a bad guy yes. and who to trust and who not to whether it's in like dating or work no, we or want, whatever I, I, I 
I actually talk about this in the audiobook where I'm just the we want them to be snarling beasts. Yeah, we want big we, mustaches. We, want, we and... want the twirling of the mustaches, which I actually say, stop, 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 <laughs> stop stealing the words. Out of my book. <laughs> but um, we want that, but it's not that. You know, yeah. not everybody's going to look like Manson, who like, okay, I'm going to carve a SWAT sticker in my head. It's, it's like, a okay, hint. It's yeah, a hint. It's a hint. <laughs> Maybe not. There was yeah. a guy in uh, my hometown who is known for being uh, a little wacky. What's um, your hometown? Richmond, Virginia. Richmond, Virginia. Yeah. All right. Do you automatically know all the good murders? I I know that, well, I mean, the murder of, you know, Civil War. Yes. It was the capital of the Confederacy. That's pretty much had a big big, hand in that. Yeah. Yeah. I I would put that at the top of the list, but my sister lives in Richmond, Virginia. Oh, it's a nice town. Mm -hmm. Um, Despite the Civil War stuff. Despite the whole Civil War stuff and the atrocities yeah. when i was in middle school there was a guy who had uh carved lsd into his forehead mm. and uh um, under while under lsd i mean i guess it seems like that's a good or he was to looking make. or he was looking for lsd it was like <laughs> yeah. i'll can carve it on my forehead yeah. but he and he got he got through thrown off the um vcu campus which is the mm-hmm. school that's right in the middle of town and for who knows what something else he yeah has some sort of trouble starting and my friend worked at a store just outside of the campus and that dude came in one day and was kind of like casually browsing around Mm -hmm. you know like picking up jackets and whatever and my friend was like watching him and then the dude comes up to the counter and is like hey um do you guys have uh headbands carry headbands (laughs) (laughs) and my friend was like no we don't and it's just like yeah buddy yeah, yeah. You, sh- you didn't get a chance to think twice. No, about, no, uh, yeah. No, it's kind of like, yeah, like Inglorious Bastards. I'm sure there was a lot of headbands being bought <laughs> after from those those Nazi soldiers after Inglorious Bastards. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, What's next? <laughs> the next song is... This is Suffer Little Children by the Smiths. <laughs> so we're going back to Manchester. Mm-hmm. Uh, Take me to the mall. Dig a shallow grave and I'll lip syncing the song. Yes, I am. <laughs> this was Getting actually the, the, first, the first song that Marcy and Mar wrote. Hmm. And they were so young. But just knowing that like Marcy chose Marcy wrote so many amazing songs. He chose that subject matter of the Moore's murders, and that was the 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 uh, serial killing couple. Mm-hmm. Um Myra Henley and Ian Brady, and they would uh, they took kids from from uh, around Manchester and killed them, and then brought them out to the moors and buried them. And buried them, and that's the idea of "I'm on the moors." And he's actually speaking this, and I like this song because he's speaking it from the the victim's perspective. Mm-hmm. And I went out to the moors. I remember I went out. Last time I was in, and a, a guy that I had met via Manchester City, because he, he saw me wearing a Manchester City jersey when I was at South by Southwest once. And he was like, you're wearing an old jersey. I'll buy you a new. He's a great guy. <laughs> and uh, Paul, I love you. And he's like, all right. And I, he was like, well, what do you want to do? And I was like, well, I want to go see the Moors. He's like, well, there's Moors near me, but I think I know which ones you want to see. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> so we went out there and it was so desolate. I mean, I've been out to the deserts around here, but this is... You you know you almost can't hear anything. It's almost like it's so it's so um, absent of noise that you feel like you're deaf, like dead end. Yeah, kind of and there's no life around you. There's no like little critters. I mean, sometimes in the desert you can see critters and everything. Mm-hmm. And where are these kids, the last resting place, and they're still 
sign, you know, there's still, you know, um, people leave stuffed animals and things for these kids. Mm. And this was happening and then this happened in the sixties. And you can tell that this was, this was the, these were the boogeymen uh, for the people of Manchester and the Smiths, probably my favorite band ever. They decided to, for their very first song, they were going to write about this. And I love the fact that it is very much victim centric, you know, and just saying, you know, I'm on the moors, you know, Mm-hmm. Yeah, Forever. and find and find me. Yeah. Oof. Yeah, uh, I read a little bit about the Moore's murders because of the song, um, and it does sound like it was uh, just one. It sounds like one of the most like senseless. We're just evil people. No, just doing evil. Exactly. the most evil thing we can think of. Kind of like for evil uh, sake. Yeah, I mean, it reminds me of the Barbie killers, um, uh, Carla Homolka, um, up in um, in um, in Canada where they, they did similar stuff. It was a man and woman team that were uh, raping and killing uh, young youngsters, you know, driving them in the cars and things. It's just, it, it's heartbreaking. And um, they really captured, I remember, I remember reading an interview saying that they wanted, they didn't like the way that the song came out. They thought it, it should have been a little bit, it should have been a little bit more ethereal, a little bit more spookier. Maybe the, the drums, maybe the, yeah, the Smith said this. Maybe the drums might have been a little bit harder, but you know, when you look at you know, Johnny Marr was really the the bandmaster of the Smiths, and whenever you're thinking about what you've done with your life, Johnny Marr left the Smiths at 23. <laughs> so all those Smith songs that were written, he wrote before he was fucking 23. Yeah. That 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 messes me up. That's like a fact that messes me up. I believe George Harrison was like 25 or 27 when the Beatles broke up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So I'm, I'm constantly like, well, well what a what failure you, what I am. Doing? I could yeah, make a movie. Right. Uh-huh. It'd still be a fucking failure. Um, exactly. But then I look at, you know, somebody like, I don't know. There's a great video of Gordy Howe playing for, you know, he came out of retirement and he started playing for the Hartford Whalers. And there's a great video of, of him s- s- skating behind the net and somebody trying to hit him. And he just puts his elbow up and levels the guy. And it's just like, <laughs> yeah, old guys, 51 years old. <laughs> Not taking shit. Not, yeah. By the way, just up the road, my forty and up team won the uh, the Burbank uh, hockey championships. So congrats, we you're were, a hockey guy. We also, were, we were at Tinhorn Flats and we did pour our beers into the the chow, the cup, the trophy, and drank out of it, which is so ridiculous. But that's myself. <laughs> it's that's, called a cup. That's my self care right there. <laughs> I mean, I think it's ridiculous that it doesn't happen more often. If it's a if it's a cup, it's a cup. What do you so do with a cup? When people ask me in like every interview for the book, it's like, what do you do to relax? I'm just like, well, you know, the one of the one of the times that I don't think about this stuff is when I'm playing my shift, when I'm playing hockey and I'm I'm a defenseman and I'm making sure that you stay away from my goalie and I'm tying you up and all that. Your teeth look great for hockey, by the way. Thank you. Well, that's you know what? By the time that I started playing, they made us wear the full cages. Ah, yeah. Good. So but uh, you know, it was it, it is so ridiculous to have, you know, guys in a forty plus league at a bar with a trophy, all wearing matching t-shirts because they gave us t-shirts. Because we <laughs> 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 you know, I'm so excited you it. put them on. Oh, oh <laughs> I totally. Like, well, I had t-shirt to, right away. No, I had to put it on because you're drenched because you have yeah. so much sweat. Just like, oh, thank God we're going to a bar and I actually have a t-shirt to put on. So, mm-hmm. yeah. That's fun. Yeah. 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 You're, not, you're not just murder. No, I'm not. You're just... sports too. <laughs> <laughs> Where are you from? I'm from Long Island. Oh, yes, yes. Uh, between uh, Westbury and East Meadow on Long Island, very close to the Nassau Coliseum, mm. where the New York Islanders played. Uh, I find that uh, I've actually talked about this on a podcast before that uh, Long Island has a, a very confusing character to me. Mm-hmm. I feel like it has a lot of character, 
but they're all but like each oh, person yeah. I know from there is like ah you know Long Island or they'd be like ah, I'm from Long Island well, I'm like which one is what is this place? no there's very much a you know growing up there's the surrounded by kind of like the the Guido esque <laughs> Jersey Shore esque of Long Island excuse me and then there was the the hoity toity Long Island which we never saw so I was around that part mm-hmm. and. You know, I come from an Italian family, but I was the goth kid, you know, so... I can tell. Yeah, but it was uh, <laughs> it was great to, to like, when I watch Jersey Shore now, and I'm like, those, those guys are just having fun. I just love them. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Just like, those, ki- those kids are just I having... I remember them. I know those guys. Fun. Exactly. Mm-hmm. They're driving their IROC Zs mm-hmm. and their Monte Carlos and... Uh, but it was That's how I feel about uh, redneck kids at uh, theme parks. There you go. Yeah, I'm yeah like, oh, look uh, at them. They're no, just trying no, to get a white snake T-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> they're just trying to make out with somebody and get a white snake T-shirt. They're just trying to swap some gold. Or the white snake uh, mirror. It's usually like the mirror. Like, <laughs> yes, the mirrors. <laughs> yes. I remember being a, a, a like a little kid and seeing those and being like, those are the sexiest things. Absolutely. All teenagers must have those in their bedrooms. Car- and it's super cool. Like like winning stuff at carnivals was so great because you could either win. A stuffed animal, which is usually really poorly made. Yeah, the stuff full of like sawdust or so yeah, hard. Yeah, exactly. They were, Awful. They were filled with like old tires mm-hmm. and everything. And then you'd have a goldfish because that would live whatever. The day. Yeah. And then you'd have these mirrors, and they were mirrors that had a picture of a van on them. And mm-hmm. by the way, I'm a big supporter of the van with the wizard on him. And the and less because now the, all the killers that you hear I was about, about to say you can hide a lot of bodies in those. No, the killers that you hear about, they drive the minivans. Oh, it's the vans with the th- those are fine. The vans with the with because mm-hmm. the they need just the seats them. that can slide yeah, exactly, easily. Exactly, I got it. Yeah, and then you had stuff like like sticks and mm-hmm. or like a rose. Snake. Yeah, or a, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember. I've won a couple of those. Yeah. Wow. Oh, yeah. I I think I got like a. I got something at one of the the state fairs once because it was one of the last days. And so I probably ended up picking a, a stuffed animal. Um, so like it was really easy to win things because mm-hmm. they were like, well, we don't want to pack this up. Right. Sure. Yeah. yeah you win yeah. close enough. And I was like, oh, my God, <laughs> I am a king. Um, but yeah, there was always something shitty and sexy about state fairs yeah but that i guess was my jersey shore <laughs> <laughs> uh the next song in the playlist is um nighttime my time by sky ferreira hmm. this is um 2013 okay Again, it takes a while to get yeah, going. Yeah, it's a very... Oh, I kind of like this. Yeah. This was, uh, I was I was thinking like, you know, nighttime lurking around. Yeah. Kind of like that kind of almost uh, shitty 80s noir kind of Shitty 80s feeling. noir. I hear you. Yeah. I like that. Nice. I like coming on here just because not only am I having a great time, but I'm going oh I'm, I'm to actually finding new music. It's that's is, one of my favorite cool. things about like I f- I always find new songs from my guests mm-hmm. and uh, yeah it's been great because I wasn't I really like music and I like different genres but I wasn't great at keeping up with new music all the time right because um, you know there's co- there's so much now especially now that there are fewer gatekeepers deciding. What yes. gets a radio play and what gets a recording contract? Like you can get big on Instagram, you can get big on Bandcamp. 
Um, thank you so much for doing this. Thank you for having me. This has been really, really fun. This was w- legit one of my favorite playlists. Uh, I think these are <laughs> really co- cool songs. Um, and I think this would be fun to listen to, yes. even if you're not even hunting if you're not for killer. hunting killers. But you know what? When you when you listen to the audiobook, you, we want you to maybe try it. If you want to try it, you can be a you, you know, you can you can you can read it and just enjoy it. It's a it's a damn good narrative, but if you want to join, there's a lot of ways to join join in and uh, and help a lot of people. So uh, use this playlist for good, <laughs> not for evil. Uh, or you know, or make a playlist for somebody that you love or want to love, and then send that to them, and you can use some of these songs. Cool. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, uh, wait. Where can people find you? Okay, so people can find me on uh, Instagram at Billy at Billy Jensen, uh, J E N S E N. Or on Twitter at, at Billy Jensen. You can go get the audiobook on April 11th. It comes out uh, on Audible. It's audible.com slash chase darkness. And you can also find it on Amazon. And That's it's, And it's eight hours of listening. That's eight you hours. You pick up so many hitchhikers it's in that time. Eight hours and 19 minutes of listening. That's a road trip. Yes. Cool. A, a good you. road trip. Right, thank you so much. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Cool Playlist. I'm Eliza Skinner. You can follow me on Twitter at, at Eliza Skinner. You can follow the podcast at, at Cool Playlist Pod. You can also find our website at coolplaylistpod.com and you can find links to all the playlists we make and anything we talk about and our Patreon. We don't have advertisers, so we rely on Patreon co producers like you. The theme music is by Ross Bryant. The art and logo is by D. Billy at Duchess and the Queen Studio. And the podcast is produced by Cool DJ Aristotle Acevedo. Oh, and you can always rate and review us on iTunes. Everybody loves that. Bye.